Good morning. Glad you're here today. I, have, I hope if, if you're, it's your first time with us, first of all, I want to say welcome, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And you've come on a great week. We're finishing a teaching series today. Okay, so maybe it's not the best week, but we're glad you're here anyway. This has been a really great series. This is week number five of this series. And uh, my goal for the today is just to put an exclamation point on what we've been learning over the last month plus. And um, so there will be some kind of in the crack stuff that I would love for you to hear if you go to our website, you go to YouTube or go to our website or go to iTunes and you can get uh, the previous series if there's any of these particular ideas that you want more detail on. But we've been talking about how to live free. And I have really been enjoying this series. Uh, I hope you have too. Not only has it been kind of fun and I don't know, it's felt kind of light and and exciting and uh, that is matched with the weather, what the weather's been lately. It's been really warm and, and low humidity, and that's been great. And so it's all kind of working together, and I'm just in a good place right now, uh, personally, and I hope you are too, although I know there's lots of tough things to go through. All right, but we've been talking about how to live free, and I've really been trying to take this to heart and been talking to a lot of people over the last few weeks that have told me how this series and what they've been learning about God, about their relationship with Him, how it really is setting them free and the way they're thinking about their relationship with Him. And that's really, really great to hear. And so I hope that's been the case for you. It's been the case for me. And um, I actually had the opportunity last week to do something that a friend and an of mine and I started um, several, we, well, the idea started several years ago. And we really got it off the ground last year. But um, both of us, me and this friend, his name's Dusty. Some of you might know who he is. He's been around here a little bit. Um, but Dusty and I used to work together at a church. That's where we met. And we have both been through some tough things in ministry. We've both been hurt in ministry, um, victimized in some ways, and been through some very, very difficult things, and some of that of our own doing. But we, through that, we both struggled with feeling uh, burnout, struggle with depression. And there's things that we still struggle with and have to battle. Those are ongoing things in life. And, um, and, but we, because of what we've been through and we really connected over that, we wanted to do something that was going to help to encourage people in ministry when they're in that same spot when they're in the middle of chaos in their ministry or they're feeling burnt out or feel like they may be approaching that or they're going through some transition or whatever, just people who are hurt, we wanted to do something to help them. And we can't fix everything that's going on, but we thought maybe we could help get them away from their situation, help them get a little perspective on what God wants for their life, wants them to do in their situation, and then we could coach them and help them, you know, uh, live that out. And so we created this thing called Rock in the River. And the concept behind it is that life, and in this case, ministry, is a little bit like a river that's flowing downhill. And it's always going to flow downhill and find the path of gravity will take it down the path of least resistance downhill. And a lot of times life and ministry can be like that. And if you want to make a change, then what you have to do is you have to intentionally change the course of that water. And so the analogy came to our head, if you take a big enough stone and you put it in the right place and then you take another rock and you put it next to it and another rock next to it, you get enough of those rocks of the right size in the right place and you can take the course of that river and turn it in a totally new direction. And so we started this thing called Rock in the River and we take uh, several ministry leaders, usually it's me, Dusty, and then four people, 
Um, and uh, it's been guys so far, but we have our first women's trip that's happening that's being led by women, not led by me. Don't worry about that, okay? First women's trip that's happening this year in June, and then um, we've got a, we're going to do a couple's one in, in the fall. But, um, but I got to do one last week, and usually what we do is we go on this, we go for a three-day retreat. And over the course of that retreat, we have uh, Bible study times, which I lead, and then we have um, what we call our three rocks. There are three key things that we need to understand uh, for ourselves and then put them in the right place on the river in order to make sure the, the water's flowing the right way. And so we help them identify what those rocks are for them. But we also try to go and do something fun, so and something that will fit with the theme. We always get a cabin that's by a river or something like that. And, uh, and then usually we go whitewater rafting, which is... It's the best thing, okay? <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that is like the most fun thing to do in the entire world. And so every time we go on a retreat, I'm always excited about going rafting. And uh, I do want to throw in too, these trips are always sponsored and funded by outside sources, churches, pastors, other organizations. And so everybody who goes on the trip gets to go completely for free, which is awesome. And so, um, but we go whitewater rafting and it's kind of an analogy. Team building gives all these strangers something to talk about, but also kind of fits with what we're doing. Um, This past time we were going on the trip and we uh, did not look at the schedule for the river. This is the earliest we've ever done a trip. And we didn't realize that the river wasn't open yet. So we couldn't go and do that. And we had to find something that would be team building or whatever that would uh, work with sort of like the theme of what we were doing. And so instead of going whitewater rafting, we went horseback riding, which is okay, I guess. Okay. I was like, I was like, I was fine with it. I did okay. You know, it was, it was kind of neat being in the woods and whatever. I don't ever need to do it again, but nevertheless, it's kind of, you know, I mean, you're still sitting on something sort of uncontrollable. Um, but, uh, it's not the same as, as, as whitewater rafting. But anyway, I was on a horse, um, I was on a horse. Ben reminded me, I got, actually got the name wrong in the first service and just made a joke about it, but uh, my horse was named Jade, okay? Um, but interestingly, Ben Collins went on the trip with us, and his horse was named Shiloh, which is his daughter's name, which was kind of cool. So anyway, that really worked out, but this is, this is where I'm going at. So we're, we're, we're riding our horses through the woods, and we came to this river, and we were being led by the, this young lady named Courtney, and we're riding uh, through the woods, and she just totally unprompted. She doesn't know what we're doing. She has no idea why we're there or what's going on. Right? We're riding through the woods, and she looks down, and she goes, hey, y'all see that river right there? It's a little kind of like just little mountain stream, very, very small. Uh, and uh, she said, you see that river right there? We were like, yeah, yeah, we see it. She was like, I was looking at that river one day, and I thought, I wonder if I can make that river go a different direction. So I started putting rocks down there, and I built up a bunch of rocks, and sure enough, I dammed up that river, and now it goes over this way. I did that. And I was like, she doesn't even know. Like she's, she's basically teaching her lesson for us. It was, so it really worked. The horseback riding worked out. That's the point I'm trying to make with that, but that's not even the point of the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about this. Uh, the point of the whole thing is that we actually came in. I, I said there was, Ben was, was the only person on the trip that I knew. We had people that came from all over the place. We had this one guy um, come from a church in Washington, D.C. And so he came to the trip and I'm telling you, when he got there, he was angry, like angry. He was telling the guy who picked him up at the airport, he's like, I don't even know if I should go on this trip because if I feel like I go on the trip, I'm going to blow it up for everybody else who's on this trip because I'm so mad right now. He was angry about the ministry situation he was in. He was angry about the way he saw his life going and what he thought it was supposed to be. And it wasn't going the way he wanted it to be. And so he was mad at his church He was ready to get out of ministry altogether. He was ready to almost give up on his faith completely. 
And he came in mad. I'm telling you, I've never heard so much cursing on one of these trips as I heard on this one. He was angry. But through the course of three days, I was able to talk him through essentially what we've been talking about in this series. And helping him to see himself and helping him to see his relationship with God in a different way than he'd ever looked at it before. And he couldn't. We didn't take him zero to 100 over three days. That wouldn't be realistic. But, but at the end of the trip, we were kind of going around and, and all recapping you know, how it had gone and what we thought. And he said, I don't know what to tell you guys other than I feel like I'm climbing out of my slime pit. I was like... That is good enough for me. <laughs> that, is a, that is a start, my friend. And he said, I'm, he said, I'm encouraged, and I can't tell you the last time that I was. I'm telling you, these concepts that we've been talking about in this series will change your life, and they will change your faith. They will change the way that you relate to God, and so I hope that you've been as encouraged through these concepts as I've been through these concepts, because I feel like I've come a long way just over the last five months, in my, or the five weeks, in my own mentality and the way I look at my relationship with God. So this has been good, I hope, for all of us. If we're talking about living free, what that actually means, not just, not just what it is, but how we do it, how we actually live this way. And so if you haven't been with us, I said it a little bit ago, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the other messages because they may fill in some of the gaps that I just don't have time for today on how you actually live some of this stuff out. And maybe you're like, I don't even know what this living free is. <laughs> what does that even mean? I want you to listen to, to the words of Jesus recorded in John chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, we are going to be bouncing around a little bit today. But if you have the version app on your phone or tablet, you'll have all the scriptures in front of you right there under our event. But uh, John chapter 8, it's one of the more, most powerful things Jesus says, although, of course, everything Jesus says is powerful, but applicable certainly for what we're talking about today. John chapter 8, then Jesus said, this is starting in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, or believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. They're, they're forgetting about Egypt, but nevertheless, they say, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, before we meet Jesus, before we understand what he offers to us, we walk around under the weight of our sin. We walk around... And chains, and we feel that weight, and everybody feels that weight. For some people, it feels heavier because of what they've been through in their life, and some people, it feels lighter because of what they haven't been through in their life. But nevertheless, we all walk around with this weight, and a lot of people spend their life trying to figure out what that weight is. They don't even know what it is. But it's the, it's the weight of our sin that creates a disconnect between us and God. It breaks our relationship with Him. But the great news is that Jesus came and did what he did by dying on the cross and rising again so we don't have to wear this weight anymore. And this is great news. 
Because there's nothing I could do to take this off of myself. I can't be good enough. I can't earn my way there. This is what we talked about the first week of our series, Free From Death, on Easter Sunday. We talk about what Christ did. And not just his death where he paid for our sin, but his resurrection, which proves his power when he conquered sin and death. And what John says, what Jesus says, what John records, what I know to be true, too, is that when the Son sets you free, you're free. Because Jesus took the, the penalty for our sin, this chain that I carry with me, he starts unraveling it. I'm going to do this without ch- choking myself. That's the goal today. <laughs> All right? And here's the deal. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin, and he rose again on the third day. And if you put your faith in him by the grace of God, you are saved and you are free. And that's it. And that's not only the good news, what we call the good news, it's the best news. (laughs) Because it means that your sin no longer will keep you for an eternal relationship with God. That he forgives you in full for it, paid in full. And so you can have a relationship with God now and forever without the weight of that sin, without the weight of that shame, without all of that sitting on your shoulders anymore. Now let me tell you, it feels a lot better right now for me, personally, than it did just a minute ago because those aren't light. I, told AJ, I totally forgot to buy the chains this week for the illustration. And so I went to AJ this morning at 7 o'clock. I said, Lowe's opens at 8, okay? I need you to go to Lowe's at 8. I need you to buy 10 feet of the heaviest chain you can find. And he was, he was like, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I'm going to put it on my shoulders. He's like, okay. I was like, I, you know, I got a little nervous. <laughs> I'm thankful. I know there's bigger chain at, at low, so I think by the grace of God, God directed him away from it. But yeah, so it's still pretty heavy, though. Still pretty heavy. All right, you don't have to wear that anymore. That's the best news. And listen, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and believed that he gave his life on the cross and he rose again for you and that you can, by the grace of God, be forgiven simply by believing in Jesus for salvation, if you've never believed that before, today. Today is the day to do that. Those chains can come off. And that's the best decision you could possibly make. And don't worry about what comes after that. Don't worry about it, okay? Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't try to, you know, figure it all out or whatever. Start with the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Everything else is going to happen, okay? So start there. But then, so knowing we're free, knowing that's the truth, knowing it's what Jesus said, knowing it's what Paul affirms, it's what we see throughout Scripture, knowing that that is the reality, knowing that we're free. We know it here. The problem is learning how to live free, not just knowing that we are. And what we have a tendency to do, even though we know we're free, even though we know there's nothing that can happen that can take that salvation away from us, even though we know that we're God's children, for some reason, because we can't shift our mind and we can't shift our heart to understanding what it means to walk in the freedom that we now have. We take this and we put it back on. It doesn't change anything about our relationship with God for all of eternity. It doesn't change the fact that we're saved, but it changes the way that we live. We put it back on. We put on the chain of religion. 
We put on the chain of religion and we say, tell me what the rules are. What's the code? Tell me the rules so that I know how to judge myself and I know how to judge other people. We're, we're not satisfied with what God has given to us and so we need a new law. That's what we want. We need a new law. Tell me all the behaviors that I have to do or not do. Like, give me the list. Give me the list. I need the playbook. I need the rule book so I know how I can officiate this whole thing. And we put back on the chain of religion. We put back on the chain of sin. We say, well, God has forgiven me and he's going to forgive me, right? And so either we live however we want to live, knowing that there's grace for our sin, or, or we ask God, what is sin? Tell me what is sin, because wherever the line for sin is, I want to live just above that line. I want to know what I can get away with. I, know what, I want to know what I can still do, because my heart is still in the flesh. My heart is still wanting to do what I used to do. And so I just, I need you to tell me what sin is rather than trusting the spirit to lead us into holiness, to lead us into righteousness, to lead us into becoming like Jesus. Instead of shooting for the, the maximum standard, which is Christ and aiming up, we want to know what the minimum standard is. And we live down. We put back on the chain of sin or we put on the chain of shame. And when we make a mistake, when we, when we mess up and we sin, and we do, instead of, if you remember Jeremy's message from last week, instead of living over here with the Spirit where he convicts us and he says, this is what you did, we live over here with shame, which is the tool of our enemy, Satan. And he looks at our mistake and he says, this is who you are. And so we wallow in our shame. We wallow in our sin. Instead of living in the spirit where he's convicting us and saying, yeah, yeah, this is what you did, but let's make progress. Let's move forward. We live in shame where our enemy tells us this is who you are and it's never gonna change. And we put back on the chain of shame. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? I think we put back on the chain of religion because we're afraid that the grace of Jesus is not enough. And if the grace of Jesus is not enough, then I have to earn the difference or make up for it. We put on the chain of sin because we don't trust the Spirit to lead us into righteousness or we don't know how to follow Him into righteousness. And so we need a new law so we know what the rules are. We put on the chain of shame because we feel like we need to punish ourselves because we don't trust that God really loves us and we feel like we need to punish ourselves before he does. And the reality is all three of those things, those three reasons that we put these things back on even though we know better or should know better, they all come from the same thing. It's fear. It's fear. We don't trust Jesus to save us, so we try to save ourselves. We don't trust the Spirit to lead us, so we want something more tangible to follow. And we don't trust God to love us, 
and give us grace and mercy. It's fear. So as we finish this series, I want to say something to you that I think needs to be said, something I need to hear and I think you need to hear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Christ will save you. The Spirit will lead you. And God does love you. Christ is enough. The Spirit is enough. God is enough. So whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So if he took the chains off of you, don't put them back on. If he took them off, leave them off. You're free. Live free. Live free. Okay, three reminders Three reminders for us today so that we can drop the chains and live free. Number one, Christ will save you. Christ will save you. He has promised you that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but has eternal life. Clear. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Christ will save you. The second reminder is that the Spirit will lead you. Spirit will lead you. Paul says in Romans, Romans chapter 8, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Right. And the third reminder, God loves you. God loves you. If this all sounds really basic, good because it needs to form the basis of our life. We can never forget God loves you. John puts it this way in 1 John chapter 4. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he whose fears has not been made perfect in love, we love him because he first loved us. God is in the process of perfecting love in you. 
perfecting the image of Jesus in you. And yes, that's a process. And yes, we make mistakes. And yes, we fail. But he is always here for us with grace to lift us back up and keep moving us forward. And it's so that we can have confidence in the day of judgment to know, just like John says here, then that day we are like Christ. As much like him as we could be. So God is in the process of doing that in you. Enjoy it. Embrace it. God wants you to experience what life is supposed to be, and that's not bondage and fear. We've been set free from that. And so I'm giving you a phrase every week in the series, what we've been set free from, what we're set free to. And this week is really simple. We've been set free from fear and set free to trust. Don't be afraid. Trust him. Let it go. The, the weight that you've been wearing on your shoulder, whether that's religion or sin or shame, the weight you've been feeling, let it go. Uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about golf, okay? Golf. Any golfers in the room? I think I asked this a couple weeks ago. We got a few around the room, okay? All right. So I really enjoy golf, or I always have enjoyed golf. I'm not good at it, and which can make it less enjoying. And enjoying, yeah, that's a word. All right, I enjoy it. Maybe it's just being out in the fresh air and Hitting something helps. And so I enjoy golf, even though I'm not very good at it. And I don't play as much as I want to, but probably every golfer says that. Um, but I have been trying to learn golf because I don't like getting frustrated when I'm out there. I like to hit the ball well. That feels good. It feels bad not to hit the ball well. And so I've decided I will really want to start learning about golf. So I've been asking people for tips and I've been, uh, you know, talking to other golfers and trying to learn and Jerry, who's our bass player, who's like one of the best golfers in the county, by the way, uh, he said he could fix my swing, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I've been watching YouTube videos and like all the things that nobody ever taught me because I didn't, I, nobody ever taught me how to play golf. I just picked up a club and started swinging it. And it turns out it's probably not the best way to do it. But, uh, but I've been learning. And so what I've done is I've created in my head a checklist of all of the things I need to do and not do when I step up to address the ball, particularly on a drive, and how I'm going to hit that ball. Right, so, so you get a, a feeling of what's going on in my head. When I step up to a ball, first thing I got to do, I got to get my feet set, right? And I got to get them about shoulder width. And then I get the ball and it's just, just forward in my stance a little bit, right? I'm going to bend my knees. Never forget to bend your knees, bend your knees, hit your pants up like I just did. I think that's important. All right, you put the, anyway, you put the, you put the club down, right? And then you have to grab it with this hand and, and the, the V in your hand is supposed to aim up at your shoulder just like that. Then you take your other hand and you wrap it under just nice and easy. And I, I overlap my fingers. There's different ways to do it, but I overlap my fingers. And then I close my hand. You got to grip it. You got to grip tight, but not too tight, right? And then you got to straighten out this left elbow. You want that elbow to stay straight. This one can bend. All right, get your shoulders just where they're comfortable and need to be. And then you bring the club back and you twist your body back because you're going to unleash like a cork, right? So keep this. And then you bend at the wrist and you come all the way back. And then you're going to shift your weight forward as you're swinging, but not too far forward, not too fast, just right. And then you're going to bring the club around and you want the club. It's got to be in, pretty much in line with your hands when you come through. You don't want that club out in front. Can't be behind, right? And then you can turn your hands over if you want to pull the ball this way, or you can open them up if you want to take the ball off this way, right? And then you hit the club and you're trying to hit through the ball. So you got to make sure you hit through the ball and you got to come through with your body, but not too far. You fall forward, right? And then you got to bring it through and you got to make sure you keep your head down and your arms come through and you do your follow through, right? I can't do all of that. I, okay. 
you know, and you know, shoulder, your shoulder's supposed to come up instead of go. It's a whole thing. Like, it's my, I'm not, my brain is not fast enough for all of that. But I know what I'm supposed to do. So every time I get up over the ball and I get ready to hit and I get everything just like it's an I'm checkpoint in my head. I'm checking everything off. Am I standing like I'm supposed to? Am I holding it like I'm supposed to? Am I ready? Right, right. And then I come back in my swing and then I come through the ball and I hit it. I can't hit it straight to save my life. Really can't. I don't know what's wrong with it, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I come through and I swing it, and, and every time, I, you know, I hook it off to the left, or I worm burn it down in front of me, or I, you know, and it goes 100 yards, or I splay it off to the right and slice it. Every single time, as soon as I hit it and it goes off and it does this, I know exactly what I did. I know exactly what I did. But the problem is I just lack the capacity to do it right consistently. Right? I just can't do it. And I realized something. I took the kids a, couple, a few weeks ago because they're doing golf lessons, so I'm trying to get them. You were working on a scholarship for Josie. So anyway, we, well, I took them to golf lessons, and uh, so we decided we were going to go out to Carolina Golf Mart um, out there by the highway, and we're going to hit uh, a couple buckets of balls. So I spread them out. I was letting them hit. I'm coaching them on what they need to do. And, uh, and I'm, I'm getting up there, and I'm swinging, and I'm check, 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 boom. You know, off to the side. I'm getting so frustrated, so mad at myself because I can't do all the things I need to do or build the muscle memory, whatever it is, you know. I'm so mad at myself, all these technical things. And I, something dawned on me when I was there with my kids who were just having a blast, by the way. Something dawned on me. Like, this is not fun. And I'm not hitting the ball well on top of that, right? This is not, this is a game. It's supposed to be fun, I'm supposed to be enjoying this. And so I was like, you know what? And I'm trying to copy everyone's swing. I'm like, well, this is what Bryson DeChambeau does. And what, like, like I'm six foot, whatever he is, built like a mountain and can hit the ball like he can. You know, I'm trying to like copy everybody's swing. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. Like, I'm just gonna, let's just wail this thing. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wail it. And so I got up there. I tried to just turn my brain off. Like, let it, you know, let this thing flow. Let it flow. Like, we'll see what John's swing is. You know, I know what the, the golf channel on YouTube, I know what their swing is. Let's see what John's swing is. So I got up there and I was like, all right, here we go. All right. Little, there was a wiggle. I think there was a little wiggle, right? I got up there, got there and I just pulled it back. And I mean, I just, everything I had, I ripped into it and it went, Boom! And it was kind of straight. Straight enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> like straight enough, it wouldn't be in the water on the right hole, you know? And I was like, that felt good. That felt good. Grab another ball. I put down another ball. I lined up. Whack! Smacked it. A little worse, but still, it felt good, you know? And by the time, by the time I was done, I was actually hitting the ball better and having more fun than when I was checking off all the boxes and everything. And all I could think was like, this, this is like, this is what following Jesus is like. Like we micromanage everything and we want the list of rules and we want to know what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And we're thinking about our sins and we're dwelling on them and we're focused on them. And we got all these checklists and check boxes. And at some point I feel like God just wants us to get up there and hit the ball. You know, and even though we're checking all the right boxes and doing all the things we're supposed to do, it's like, I'm still, this is no fun, one, and I'm not even hitting the ball straight the way I want to. I keep messing up. I keep focusing on it. I keep whatever, judging people and becoming a kind of person I don't want to be. And it's like, just get up and hit the ball. You're free. Jesus Christ has paid for your sin. The spirit wants to lead you into righteousness and holiness. And God loves you. Like you couldn't even believe just hit the ball. A couple of weeks ago, I was, 
I was really struggling, to be honest with you. This was right, right kind of after I went on that trip I was telling you. So it was last week. I have this, uh, this personality thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing and a bad thing where uh, I, I have to be right. I have to be right. Um, some, I don't know what it is about me, and it's not like a bully thing or anything, but I just, I want to be right. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the right way to say that. Like, when we're making a purchase, I'm going to research that purchase to death. I'm going to research everything about it and try and figure out every single detail so that when I pull the trigger and make the decision, when I feel confident, I'm ready to pull the trigger, I pull the trigger, and I want to know that I got the right thing which almost never happens, by the way, because like, you buy something and then all of a sudden you get an ad for something better. <laughs> so at least that's the way it works for me. And so I'm on this constant up-down cycle of that. But, but I want to be right. And, and the truth is that, that that plays in almost most strongly with my faith. I, the issues of theology or issues of doctrine, I want to be right. And obviously, it's a good thing to be right. But I can get in a place with a particular idea where I'm it so much and thinking about it so much that I just dwell and dwell and dwell and it can cause me to get very frustrated and then I do this thing where I just downward spiral into a world of my own creating in my head where I get upset or frustrated and it's all kind of you know make-believe in a way and I'm thinking about things that aren't even real or true or whatever and it's this weird thing that happens and uh, I was really struggling coming off of that trip because of some of the things I was talking about with people on the trip that were kind of messing with my head a little bit and I came home and I was really struggling through this idea and frustrated with it and, and really feeling a lot of angst because I couldn't figure out what was right because I couldn't land where I felt like I needed to land. And so I, I went to the safest place that I know to talk about things and fleshing out ideas, and that's Jess. And thankfully, we have that kind of relationship where we can talk about this kind of stuff. And she doesn't have the same sort of compulsion that I have. Um, and so I laid this whole thing out for her and I was so upset, so frustrated, so confused and, and disoriented by it. And, and she looked like, like a deer in the headlights a little bit. Um, but she was like, hey, like you're going to have to work this out because you cannot go into this thing because she knows she sees me do it. She so cannot go into this spiral thing that you do and you're heading there right now. You're going to start going down, down. And then I have things that I struggle with depression and other things and they all start working together. And um, she's like, you're going to start spiraling down. I, I can see it coming. And I was like, okay. So, so um, the next morning, I just decided to take that morning uh, and to spend the entire morning in prayer. So I spent hours in prayer that morning um, and try not to think because I, sometimes I get those two things mixed up. And so I spent uh, time in prayer and I was just praying for God to give me perspective and to help me understand what was going on and whether I needed to understand this idea or not understand this idea. And, uh, and it took him a while to get it through my, my thick skull. But uh, about lunchtime, I just felt like I heard as clearly as I can him say, he's through the Spirit to say, let it go. I was like, I can't let it go because I have to be right. <laughs> he was like, nope, nope, let it go. And it wasn't, it's not that I have to let the idea go. It's not that I need to stop looking into it and trying to understand and to figure it out. I had to let go of the, the stress and the angst and the, the frustration. Just let it go. It's okay. You're my child. Christ has saved you. The Spirit will lead you through whatever. And I love you. Let it go. And Jess got home from work that day 
And I said, hey, I just kind of, I grabbed her like right away. And I was like, hey, can I talk to you about what we talked about last night? And then she really looked like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> like, oh no. And I said, uh, I'm just going to let it go. And she looked at me like, who are you and what did you do with my husband? <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to let it go. Like some of the frustration that you feel or the fear that you feel, it's not rooted in the reality of God or his relationship with you. You just need to let it go. You need to let it go. Again, powerful words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. He's dealing with people, by the way, through most of his ministry, who are under a heavy, heavy burden. They're under the burden of the law. And they have these religious leaders that keep the law pre presumably well. They keep it well on the outside, even though they don't keep it, keep the heart of it on the inside. And they put this weight on people, and they're constantly feeling pressure, constantly feeling judgment, constantly feeling shame, constantly feeling like they're not living up. They just live under the weight of this. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He's talking about the burden of the law on them. All you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You have that? It's really what living free is. It's rest for your soul. Interestingly, right after this, what happens immediately after? Jesus and his disciples, they go walking through the, uh, the grain fields on the Sabbath, which is a day of rest. You're not supposed to work. The law says you're not supposed to work. And so Jesus goes walking through the grain fields with his disciples, and they start picking heads of grain and eating them. And all the religious people that are around them say, whoa, 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 Jesus, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. You're not allowed to pick grain or eat it on the Sabbath. You can't do that. It's against the law. And Jesus looks back at them, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, he looks back at them, and he says, we're hungry. Mind your own business. And by the way, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> Just after he had said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, don't wear that. Don't wear that. Don't pick these back up. He took them off you. You are set free by Jesus to walk in the Spirit, in the love of God, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But use your freedom as an opportunity for the Spirit to do the work in you that He wants to do. To not only bring glory and honor to God, but to serve other people as well. So if your faith is in Christ, you're free. So live free. All right, let's pray together. God, we love you so much and we thank you for the love that you've shown to us, that you are love and you displayed that in your son, sending him here to us. Christ, living 
for us, showing us how to walk with the Spirit, showing us how to live in purity and righteousness, for giving your life for us on the cross, paying for our sin, and for rising again on the third day. We thank you for that. Not only what it means for us, but what it means for everyone. To know that through the grace of God, by putting our faith in you for salvation, we can be saved and free. Thank you. God, I pray there's someone today who would put their faith in you for the first time and believe in you, trust you for salvation. And God, for so many of us that have made that decision before today, we want to walk in the freedom that you've given to us. And so I ask you, God, that you would set us free from any of the chains that we put back on. Show us what they are, whether they're chains of religion or chains of sin or chains of shame. Help us to walk in the freedom that you've designed for us. And I pray that you would show those things to us. And then you would show us how to follow the Spirit and walk with him through it. Use us together as a church family. Use us together as a team to encourage each other in in this and push each other forward, to drive each other more and more and more into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And encourage us as we do. Let us... Let us understand and feel this freedom to know it and to walk in it, but also to feel it so that we can be encouraged and we can be hopeful even when we're going through very difficult things, very tough things. To know that even if our situation doesn't change, we walk through it with you and that you can use it to do all of those things in us that you want to do in us. So we thank you for this. We thank you for it. Thank you that you've set us free. We know we are free indeed. And we want you to know that we trust you for that. And so today we lift up our lives to you. We give ourselves to you so that we can walk and live the way that you designed us to. Thank you so much. And we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.